0: Hello and welcome to Research Roundup brought to you by the Primary Care Collaborative Cancer Clinical Trials Group, PC4. I'm Christy Milley and each month we'll be looking at what's new in cancer in primary care research and I'll be talking to authors of recent publications and presentations. This episode is part of a special series that was recorded at the Capri Conference in Toronto in 2019. Capri is an international network of academic GPs And their goal is to promote more international collaboration in cancer and primary care research. And they do this by supporting networking and arranging an annual conference. Garth Funston is a clinical research fellow with CanTest. Uh, He is a general practitioner and he's currently undertaking his PhD at the Institute of Public Health and Primary Care in Cambridge in the UK. In this interview... He discusses his current PhD research, which is on evaluating tests and tools to diagnose ovarian cancer, in particular the biomarker CA125. Unfortunately, there is some noise interference in this interview. As it was recorded at the event, I hope you enjoy the elevator music in the background. I started off by asking Garth about why he chose to move into cancer research coming from his GP background.
1: I've always been interested in cancer research since medical school I used to spend. Summers in labs, um, working at the benchside. Uh, I feel like most
0: people don't voluntarily spend their summer in the lab. Well,
1: I <laughs> got to spend time in Bordeaux, which was nice, oh, and lovely. Singapore, wow. which was fun. And then once I'd finished medical school, I thought I had a really clear plan. I was going to do oncology, do clinical trials research, and then as part of my junior doctor training, I did a placement in general practice. And I just really loved the kind of clinical setup yeah. <laughs> and the interactions with patients and I saw amazing possibilities for research and cancer research in primary care. In oncology, everything is evidence-based that you do. Everything is kind of loads of clinical trials. In primary care cancer research, that often didn't seem to be the case. And just it really interested me and excited me. So I applied for an academic general practice training job. I got that and then the opportunity came up to do a PhD on cancer detection research and primary care as part of the contest cancer research UK grant and i that's on that <laughs> <laughs> that's where I'm like.
0: So maybe you could just give us a little bit of background about your PhD then because mm. it's obviously what you're presenting at the Capri conference. What is it about ovarian cancer that you know your PhD is part of that makes it so challenging to diagnose early mm. in primary care?
1: So my PhD focuses on evaluating tests and tools to detect ovarian cancer as early as possible in primary care one of the tests that I'm looking at is CA 125 or cancer antigen 125 Um, and that's one of the tests I'm using big data if you like to evaluate the performance of and try and optimize it to primary care
0: this may sound silly but so I come from a lab background so I was Mm. in clinical pathology and We do CA125s, you know, every day, and it's strange to think that it's... What is it about validating it in primary care that's so important?
1: There's been lots of research on CA125 in big clinical trials and screening, and there's been lots of research on it in secondary care setting, for instance, to monitor for relapsing patients who've had a diagnosis of ovarian cancer. But those are completely different populations from symptomatic patients presenting to their GP, the prevalence of ovarian cancer is completely different. The severity of ovarian cancer may be different, and the prevalence of other conditions such as kind of endometriosis, which puts CA125 up as well, will be different. So the performance of CA125 may be de- very different from other settings. To really understand how well a test performs, I think you have to study it in the population you're going to use it in.
0: I think you know me and all of my colleagues. You know we do biomarkers every day mm. and we don't really think about the setting we think once those papers are out there and here's this great biomarker you go ahead and use it but you don't actually validate it in the population that you want to be using it for yeah. so
1: I, I think that's true with a lot of the cancer tests we use that it's studied in one usually a high kind of prevalence population yeah. oh it works so it must work everywhere and that just isn't necessarily the case, it might be, but we need to study it and and try and work that out.
0: Going back to why is Mm. CA125 important in primary care and why is it hard to diagnose ovarian cancer early in primary care?
1: I think it's a combination of reasons that makes ovarian cancer difficult to diagnose. Firstly, it's not a common occurrence for a GP to see, see a case of ovarian cancer. If you look at the numbers an average gp in the uk will see a case a new case of ovarian cancer every five years yet lots of the symptoms of ovarian cancer are pretty non-specific and pretty common not all of them but many of them so things like altered urinary frequency and urgency altered boil habit persistent abdominal bloating these are common in other conditions so it's hard to pick out one cancer from all these women presenting with these common common conditions. So it's, it's about suspecting it, first of all, and then trying to detect it. And we need simple approaches to investigate women with these symptoms for ovarian cancer. We can't, certainly in an NHS-based system, we can't do more invasive investigations in all these patients. So I don't think that would be appropriate.
0: So can you just give us a little bit more background on, I suppose, CA125 as a diagnostic marker?
1: It's been around a while. It was discovered in the 1980s and there's been large clinical trials, some of the largest clinical trials, evaluating it in screening studies like the, the UK CTOPS was a big study which integrated in screening studies um, but that failed to show any survival advantage so CA125 isn't used in screening um, and it's, it's used very well in secondary care to monitor patients with ovarian cancer for relapse and also to investigate patients with pelvic masses and that's where the evidence base is at the minute. There's, there has been questions about its sensitivity and specificity, so in terms of specificity there's lots of other things that cause a rise in CA125, other conditions like endometriosis can cause CA125 to go up, so it's not a perfect test, but in terms of biomarkers for ovarian cancer at the minute, it's probably the best we have.
0: And the presentation that you're giving at mm. this Capri conference, you used uh, two data sets to investigate the association between CA125 levels and the diagnostic interval and stage of diagnosis. Uh, I noticed that you used two data sets that I'm not familiar with, which were CPRD and NCRAS. Yeah, what, they're what very
1: are... catchy names. <laughs> yeah. what, what
0: are these data sets?
1: CPRD is the Clinical Practice Research Data Link, and it's, it's a fantastic resource, it's basically uh, anonymized, coded data from primary care consultations within the UK. So, as a GP sitting there, if I enter a code for a condition or a symptom, that will be in this data set. It also contains all test results, which is really important for this research. And I think there are currently 7 million active patients in it. Mm -hmm. It's a really big, useful resource for research. NCRAS, which is the National Cancer Registration and Analysis Service. This is basically, the data we're using from that is basically English Cancer Registry data. So it contains really detailed information on stage, morphology, and uh, they say that it uh, captures uh, close to 100% of of the cancers in England. That's the statistic that is out there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And what was the key finding from using these two data sets in your study?
1: So this was the first of a series of studies to try and look at CA125 in primary care. and We're interested in first of all what proportion of patients who were diagnosed with ovarian cancer had a normal and abnormal CA125 test in the year before that diagnosis and we wanted to look at diagnostic intervals for patients with normal and abnormal results and start to explore a bit about the stage distribution. We found that around a fifth of patients with ovarian cancer had a normal CA125 test in the year before diagnosis. And the majority still had a rare CA125 but about a fifth had that normal test and that the intervals, the time from having that test to diagnosis was much longer in the patients with the normal test result. Uh, the median interval was 79 days in patients with a normal CA125 and 34 days in patients with an abnormal CA125. So there's a reasonably big difference there. Despite this, actually, we found that the majority of patients with those normal CA125 results were still diagnosed at an early stage, so we're looking in to try and understand that a bit more.
0: I know that you're in the early stages then, in your yeah. PhD. <laughs> <laughs> but what does this really mean for you? Where, what are your next steps?
1: I think we need to know a lot more about how CA125 performs we need to know what a abnormal test result actually means in terms of a patient's risk of having ovarian cancer and what a normal test result means because those are the important things to gps and to the patients themselves so uh, i'm on just undertaking a, a big study using these routine data sets again but with different data set to explore the performance of ca 125 and try and optimize it to to the primary care population another thing that came out of this was the the longer intervals in terms of patients with those normal results and i think this raises some questions for instance does having that normal test lead to delay in diagnosis does it give false reassurance to patients and clinicians do they go away and not worry about the symptoms Or does it send them down a completely different diagnostic route? Do they have colonoscopy for their symptoms instead? Uh, And we don't know the answers to these. So I'd be interested in trying to explore some of that in a bit more detail. And I wonder if it's possible to, or feasible, to put in mechanisms to try and reduce any delays in these patients as well.
0: Well, thank you very much for your time today and good luck with your PhD.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Thanks for downloading Research Roundup produced by PC4. You can access the articles and other information in our show notes. Do let us know what you think about this episode by emailing info at pc4tg.com.au or keep in touch via Twitter where you'll find us at PC4TG. Don't forget to visit PC4's website, pc4tg.com.au.